0: You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan.
1: Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and the SoundCloud today.
0: Manning, Porter, has a man touchdown! Welcome to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump. With me is and Mike, I- the Cranky Fan. Your trusty sidekick, the Cranky Fan. How's it going tonight, Grump? It's going pretty well. We are now two games in the books. That means we're two weeks closer to the regular season. We can stop watching bad preseason games. And we can stop
1: wanting to take our phone and throwing it out the window every time we have an overreaction from somebody on Twitter about how we should fire offensive line coach, the head coach, cut the entire offensive line, cut the running backs, cut everybody because... As we all know, in a meaningless preseason game, when you're not game planning and you're not doing anything, that's a true indication of where we'll be the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, guys, cut that shit out. Yeah, please. Uh, We'll cover that quite a bit during this next uh, half hour or so, so don't worry. We'll we'll get into the overreaction and the underreaction party in a little bit. But uh, first, we're going to go over what was a very, very hard to watch and super boring preseason week two at the Cleveland Browns a uh, couple injury notes some players that didn't play Keenan Robinson still in the concussion pro- actually out of the concussion protocol and back in uh Darius Powell also did not play Mark Herzlick still not playing Dwayne Harris still not playing and Sean Drone although off of the physically unable to perform list did not play also I mean that's that's kind of some rough news for Darius Powell and Sean Drone two guys who
1: yeah a lot of guys you said are on the bubble and this is not helping them getting any uh you know any tape although some of these guys we saw yesterday played so poorly that maybe
0: they're better off not playing yeah they, they might have a shot making the roster even if they get by covered. default <laughs> yeah. um, so with that being said, let's go right into our stars and farts uh there were some there were some uh some real shining stars in this one and I'm gonna give a half a star they can split this one JPP and Olivier Vernon looked like they were in midseason form uh they each split. I think they each had half a sack, two half sacks that they split with each other. Um Olivier Vernon also tipped a pass that was then intercepted by JPP on a drive deep in their own zone. Uh they lo- they looked ready to play.
1: Yeah, can you do me a favor? Can we just not play these guys the rest of the preseason? <laughs> I think they're ready. I'm very serious. You know, I'm going to go into a rant in a couple of minutes about preseason, which I'm sure everybody is thinking the same thing, but you know, there are guys on this team that are ready to go. You know, they get plenty of reps during during the week, during, you know, as we go out of training camp and into game prep for these games, enough. There's no reason for them to be playing in these games. I
0: I would say on some level I disagree with you, but when it comes to that position group, from what I saw last week, there is so much talent on this defensive line, and we know that JPP and Olivier Vernon are going to play. If you want to give them one series, fine, but that's it. Just take them out because – we have enough guys competing for the last couple defensive end spots. There's no reason to risk injury for these two guys. Who, and why who last waste, year played ninety five percent of the snaps anyway.
1: Right, and like and like you're saying there's only so many snaps in a game and why waste them on two guys that you know are really at best going through the motions right now. So I'd rather use these games for what they are. Evaluation periods for coaches. I and mean, these are not these are not competitions in any level that should be seen by fans. And that's where a lot of re- overreaction tweets and overreaction Sunday comes from. People who don't know what they're watching overreacting to what they think they see and freaking out and making these crazy, insane, you know, pronouncements. So, True. yeah, it, it's it's silly. I mean, these are not games. And the fact that, you know, to the Giants' credit, they've actually decreased the cost of these games on a per-game basis. You know, they jacked up the rest of our tickets for the rest of the season so it's a net of zero but it's really robbery that owners charge fans and especially if you have a season ticket package you have to buy these two turds a year and and, you know it's they're not games they are they're evaluation tools for coaches
0: but there there were some guys who who need to show us that they can do it and one of them was bj goodson and he looked like a monster out there i'm starting to see what the hype is about with him um he didn't really look like he was the first time starting middle linebacker out there, and, and by first time I mean like, you know, first season doing it since he barely played any defense last year. Uh, he looked the part in the middle back there.
1: I think the coaching staff really wants him to be the starting uh, middle linebacker, so it's good to see him come out with that tenacity.
0: Yeah. Um, another guy who, who didn't do too much, but still, uh, you could see the promise was there was Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram had a 21-yard catch and run where he just looked faster than everyone on the field. But the other thing is he, he got he, – he would have had a touchdown if Eli didn't short-arm him in the end zone. He had a nice route up the seam where he split the defenders and Eli sort of uh, threw a little shallow to him and it was actually almost picked. But he, if it wasn't touched by the defender, that was an easy walk-in touchdown for Ingram.
1: It was unfortunate that one play where he tripped. Yes. And I, I, I figured out I that running back who ran up his back basically because that would have been a
0: nice – Darkwah, But he did hit it was the dark hole walk? right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right, right. I mean it's going to be a work in process, you know, starting off with chip blocking and working his way to more substantial blocking. But I think the overreaction again of people on draft night that this guy can't block, I don't think that's going to be the case.
0: Pe- he's people who do... probably didn't watch a single Ole Miss game either.
1: Exactly. So, or didn't watch any tape or or anything, so you know I, I think again, you're asking a lot of responsibility for a rookie to you know learn a playbook, learn how to do better technique on dra- on blocking, so you know it will come.
0: yeah um, one guy who had a bounce back, he t- performed awful last week. Dante Dion looked pretty good uh this week. he had played thirty snaps, he was targeted only once, and on that one play, he picked it off. Uh, though it was overruled by a defensive penalty on the other side of the field that had nothing to do with it. But it was a brilliant play where he kind of baited uh, – I think it was Deshaun Kaiser uh, into throwing into what he thought was an open receiver. But he was kind of trailing underneath and jumped right in front of it made the pick. It was, it was a really good pick. Um, and he showed that, that he can hold his own potentially as the dime cornerback.
1: Yeah, it's a probably the biggest need on this team is you know, depth in the secondary, and depth back there. So if he can continue to improve, you know, and, and get a roster spot, add to that rotation, all the better. Yeah, because it's it's scary once you get past that, you know, our, our big three.
0: Oh yeah, our big three. It's probably one of the best overall talents for starters and one of the shallowest for depth on the team. Oh, definitely. It's, it's so. a real real peak and valley scenario at the corner. Well, we'll get to quarterback in a minute, but. <laughs> yeah. um, I thought Wayne Gallman played really well. He had the fumble, but um, on the drive where Geno Smith threw an interception at the goal line, I think Gallman was responsible for about 75% of the yards gained on that drive. I thought he looked really decisive. He makes one move. He's not a real dancer, but when he makes the one move, he's very hard. He hits the hole good for a lightweight guy. He catches the ball pretty fluidly out of the backfield, and I liked what I saw from Gallman despite his fumble.
1: Well, according to John Gruden, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame in a couple of years. Yeah. So,
0: Oh, God. <laughs> Listen, we're going to hand out some farts later, and I really badly wanted to go on a tirade and give John Gruden a fart, and, and for that matter, Sean McDonough. This some of the worst. I think that's his name. Sean McDonough, the other guy? Yeah, right?
1: I'm, actually, I'm actually kind of a Sean McDonough guy. He's not that bad.
0: Ah, uh, you know,
1: but when you're paired up with Gruden, it, it's pretty tough.
0: Yeah, it's rough. Um, the only other star I have is, uh, I thought, Aldrich roses continuing to hold his own. Kicked a 47-yard field goal. He looked fine. His kickoffs looked good. He looks to be in the lead for the uh, kicking competition.
1: I think he was always his job to lose, and I think the extra competition has helped out. And I, I think he's ready to, uh, you know, I think this competition's over.
0: Yeah. Cranky fan, I'm going to go into some farts here. And I'm not going to – Fart lead, time. Yeah, it's it's fart time here. And uh, these – there were less farts than stars, but, man, were they stinkier than the stars were bright. <laughs> Sterling Shepard looked terrible. He had a couple of drops and he had the ball literally stripped right out of his hands. He was He was caught dead to rights on a bad play you know on a wide receiver screen he had a guy right in his face so he spent about 10 seconds trying to dance around him like a fool and then he just kind of took the ball right out of his hands it was
1: it pathetic. here's the thing here's the thing about him he's got the third receiver spot locked up that doesn't necessarily mean he has playing time locked up now all of a sudden we've had a complete overhaul of tight ends mm-hmm. you might see two tight ends on the field and that's going to be at the expense of him you know Brandon Marshall is not sitting we have an extra tight end you know Beckham's not sitting on the sideline if you have an extra tight end. So it's things like this. If you start, you know, you know, obviously he's in a, in a in a tier above these Roger Lewis's and guys like that for that fourth and fifth receiver.
0: But he's not necessarily above Evan Ingram. Though that's what I mean. I mean, yeah, no, that's I'm true too. So if yeah.
1: so, if you're going to go to like you know potentially a two tight end set, that's going to come at his expense. Yep. So he keeps screwing up like this. You might see that more and more.
0: Yeah obviously one game is not an end-all, be-all for any of these guys, let alone last year's second-round pick who performed incredibly well.
1: Especially proven guys, too. I think we, you know, when we're looking at stars and farts in the preseason, we're really trying to evaluate, is this guy, you know, going to make a, is this going to impact his ability to make the roster or not? Or, you know, stars are good to say, yes, this guy's ready to play, he's ready for opening day. Farts, to me, are more those bubble guys. So I'm yeah. I'm not going to worry too much about that with him.
0: Well, I will say I think uh, running back Khalid Abdullah ran himself off the roster. The last two weeks he's looked absolutely abysmal. He can't catch a single pass out of the backfield. He never hits the hole. He runs into his own guys. He trips and falls. Um,
1: I think the chances for making this roster were slim anyway. They so were it's... already
0: slim, and he. But I mean, he, I think he ruined his chance to make any roster in the last two weeks that's a tough remember uh, this is this is game even if you're at a crowded position group like we have running backs like we have tight ends and like we have defensive ends you're playing for the whole league to see
1: of course absolutely and, and that's right with that mad scramble for the cutdown day yeah. too you want to be a viable candidate
0: uh the other guy uh defensive end hybrid linebacker stansley mapanga he was he looked utterly confused last night uh he was sort of running around looking in all directions and stuff was going right past him he was getting blocked right out of place he's another guy who may have played himself off this roster and potentially off any roster uh he he looked legitimately bad yeah i think we'll just move on from him <laughs> yeah um the two guys that were disappointing again john jerry and weston richberg no push whatsoever from the starting offensive line in the middle um, I think it's
1: now's a, now's a good time. I think we should have our little conversation about overreaction versus is it time to start reacting?
0: And that's uh, yeah, I saved it for last. That's yeah, go right you know, into it, cranky.
1: Yeah, because again, you know, as we're you know, in this day and age, not only watching the game on the big screen, we also have our phones on and we're watching the Twitter reaction to what we're seeing. And it's amazing, you know, we understand. The running game is coming off being worse than the league last year. We we understand that. We understand there was no overhaul of the offensive line. We are not firing offensive line coaches. We are not firing offensive coordinators. We're not firing head coaches. We are not cutting guys like Flowers based on the performance of what you see in the second preseason game. Everybody needs to chill and remember there is no game planning in these games. We are watching – hyper drills. So stop with the overreaction of the sky is falling. Everybody needs to be fired from Jerry Reese to having the league take over ownership from the mayors. Now, at what point do you start actually having an honest reaction to say, is this running game still going to be a major problem? Is this offensive line going to continue to be a major problem? Because what you just said, Grump, we're seeing no push from this offensive line. That's not game planning. That's just, you know, that's what you do. And for someone like Weston Richburg, I don't know what's happened to him in the last 12 to 15 games of watching him. This is a guy that, you know, is up for a a big contract. The question is, you know, are we going to invest in this guy where he kind of seemed like he peaked over a year ago?
0: To answer your question on overreaction, underreaction, I think the proper reaction is to remember that These guys are not going to lose their roster spots, but they could very well lose their starting spots, John Jerry more so than Weston Richburg. Um, The Giants did sign DJ Fluker, and they knew that while he wasn't as good a pass protector as John Jerry, he's absolutely a better run blocker. And the question is going to be is if DJ Fluker is serviceable enough at pass blocking that he's better than John Jerry is at run blocking. Um, and John Jerry stands a legitimate chance to lose his starting spot. And, and to me, John Jerry is a very good backup right guard and not a very good starting right guard. So he already should be fighting for every little bit he can get. Um, you know
1: something, Grub? We have a pretty nice collection of backup offensive linemen, rookies, and guys like him, which would be fantastic for depth in longer term impact on this team there's a difference just... though
0: with John Jerry the difference being that all of the other players that you li- that we're talking about are on the rookie contracts and John Jerry is not so all of That's... them theoretically are rising in talent level mm-hmm. John Jerry is not going to have his uh, his abilities suddenly start getting better he's either going to fit the system just right or do just enough or build enough chemistry to be the best he can be or he's not um, well, the, rest of these guys, point. the rest of these guys are all building strength. They're all refining technique, and they're all, you know, learning the game and the game speed. I remember Bobby Hart and Eric Flowers are 22 and 23 years old, respectively. Weston Richburg still on his rookie contract. Justin Pugh, I think, is in his last year of his rookie contract. These guys are, are all. Are young. both of them? I think they both are. I- you might be right, but the point is, is that theoretically, those guys should be increasing in their uh, talent level. Uh, whereas John Jerry is not, so he stands a legitimate chance to lose his starting spot. Whereas you know Weston Richburg might have some reps taken away from him and given to say Brett Jones or you know whoever, but it it still comes down to your reaction is not should we cut this guy that we drafted only a couple of years ago, or it should be should we maybe consider giving somebody else some other reps or you know what's what's going on here, um, when it comes to getting push in the middle. Now, if you're talking about, you know, not picking up a blitz or something like that, you know, that's sort of game planning. And I'm going to jump into the Eric Flowers discussion here. Before the game started, I sent off a tweet thread warning people because I've watched this story go from last week's game where Eric Flowers performed better than expected for people. He wasn't great, but he wasn't bad. He did All of the sacks that he gave up were really Josh Johnson and Geno Smith running into the guy that he was trying to block, like directly into him. And then the next two days he had two bad practices and people were, were thinking this guy was falling again for this guy. So I warned everyone, no matter what happens in this game, don't overreact to it because the Giants are not expecting anything more than just improvement from Eric Flowers. What I mean by that is they're not suddenly expecting him to be a premier left tackle. They know that's not realistic. They know what they have in the locker room and in the training room. What they are expecting is steady improvement from last year. So technique improvement, technique things like improvement, that. Technique improvement, yeah, exactly. Just, you know,
1: he's not going to be the, the 13th pick in the draft which they drafted him for. They they've moved on from that sunk cost. Now it's right is the guy a serviceable guy. Is he a guy that we want to re-sign when his rookie contract's up?
0: Right. And so as as Eric Flowers has had a a bad year last year and then two rough practices in a row last week, even the media was jumping in, and by media I mean the non-Giants media, like ESPN was highlighting, oh, number one pick in the draft, Miles Garrett is going against maligned left tackle Eric Flowers. I warned everyone not to to lose their minds. Cleveland actually has a very good defensive front with Carl Nassib and Miles Garrett and Emmanuel Agba. All very high draft picks and all very talented guys. They just got a very aggressive defensive coordinator in Greg Williams. Yeah, we'll talk about that that scumbag in a minute. Yeah, there was a chance that he was going to get abused. Now, if this were a regular season game and not a preseason game, the Giants would most definitely be game planning to give Eric Flowers some help because they know he's not Tyron Smith and they're going to put a tight end over there. They're going to run quick passing games so that he's not having to block – you know, these premier rushers all on his own or but for a very long something. period of time. But this but is not thing, a regular bro. season game. That's what I'm saying. Here's they're the- not game planning that. So if he gets beaten those scenarios, then they know, Oh, well, you know, we're just kind of testing out plays right now. We're not looking for him to win here. And if he does stonewall him, which by the way, Eric flowers performed pretty well, I'd give him a B. Um, don't get worked up because it's preseason for the Browns too. And they're not game planning to pass rush, over Eric Flowers. so Right, and here's, the, and here's the thing, Grump, also,
1: every left tackle in the league is going to get some help with a guy like Miles Garrett. You know, everybody's going to get uh, against the premier pass rushers in the league. You don't think the guys are going up against JPP and Olivier Vernon are not getting help from a, uh, a chip lock from a tight end or, or a double team or something. So it's just, you know, there's only a handful of left tackles in this league who can handle monsters like that on their own and beat them more often than not. So... Put your, you know, your reference of where this, this battle would be, you know, compared to
0: other tackles. Whether he did well or not, don't overreact to it, because we know it's just preseason, we know it doesn't really matter, and nobody's really trying to you know exploit the other team. They're trying to evaluate their roster and test out their plays, especially Cleveland, because they have a new defensive coordinator, and they have to get their terminology down and get their plays down. Now, that yeah. being said, I saw a whole lot of people who were exclaiming that Flowers did really well, and then a whole lot of people saying that he threw some chokeholds on Miles Garrett. All I'm going to say is, yeah, his technique wasn't perfect. He let up no sacks, in my opinion, and the he, biggest, had, he had yeah, no the penalties. Big,
1: the so. biggest thing with Eric Flowers is technique. You know, bad hands, stands up too, too uptight, uh, uh, you know, upright. Puts That's what we down. know is the yeah. big. Yeah, his issues are, and his development will be... You know, stunted by the fact that if he cannot get his technique down. And again, this is his third year, intense coaching and everything, but that's his biggest problem. So these things are still going to pop up.
0: Yeah, you exactly. We wanted to have it less and less. Yeah. And I would say he did okay. He did fine. I, if this were a regular season game and that's the performance I got out of him, one sack and no penalties, i uh, maybe he had a hurry besides that. that's I'm okay with that.
1: You're going against Miles Garrett.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Again, they invested the number one pick in the draft in him.
0: So, um, Odell Beckham got hit in the knee. Yes, he did. We're talking
1: about scumbags. Is it really shocking that a Greg Williams defense caused something like this to happen? That was – I don't care what anybody says. That was a dirty hit. That's a dirty hit in the regular season. It's inexplicable in a, in a preseason game. I understand that there's this big concern about head injuries and you know they're going to protect receivers. They're going to protect everybody going high, so it's going to force defenders to go low. That's excessively low. And if you ask any receiver, any football player, what concerns them more, a head injury or a knee injury or a lower leg injury, they're going to say every time, the legs. That's where they make their money they you know they worry about their brains being scrambled when they're older. Their you know their money making is right now, and if a blown out knee or a fractured ankle or something caused by a bad hit, you know they they, they that's what they fear the most. I mean it, that was bullshit. I'm <laughs> sorry. And you know, of course you know ESPN you know has the the camera up his ass in, in the tunnel, and you know every second to make it appear a lot worse than it is, and you know waiting for that money shot of him like to throw his helmet or something to prove he's a baby. You know, it just doesn't. It exacerbates the, the concern for Giant fans.
0: Yeah, I'm going to mostly agree with you. I, um, I think that was bullshit. I don't think that Greg Williams is telling his team to go out there and injure people in a preseason game. I do think he teaches a hyper-aggressive tackling system that encourages that sort of behavior. I'm not really entirely sure why he was allowed to come back. I think... What he this did, is a
1: guy he, that this is a guy that paid players to hurt guys and knock them out of games. So don't tell me he's not the type of guy that would do that. Bullshit. Yeah, he's yeah. exactly the type of guy that would do that. I, I agree. And you're right. Why is this scumbag back in the league for what he did?
0: I have I you know of all the the people guys like Adrian Peterson, right, um, was charged for hitting his child with a switch or whatever, basically mm-hmm. a stick, right, right. Um, And I'm not going to excuse anything like that at all. But, I mean, what we're talking about there is his personal life and his violation of the personal conduct policy because he makes the NFL look bad. Now, what you're talking about with Greg Williams, I understand he was suspended for a year, a couple years? A year. A a year. Um, He is directly affecting the game and everything the game stands for and everything the game has done to protect players, he undermines. Or at least did. And I don't understand how those two guys get the same penalty. Yeah. I don't understand how you let a guy like that back in the league. This isn't Pete Rose, who's not allowed in the Hall of Fame for gambling. This is this is this is bullshit. This is you know, ruining people's lives beyond football.
1: Right, and especially for a league that has a pretty big PR problem on their hands. This is a sport that it legitimately in 30 years from now may not be around like as we know it yeah. you know there are a lot of you talk to a lot of parents who are not letting their kids play football because they're concerned about head injuries the game might be you know a glorified version of flag football in 20 years we don't know yeah
0: you know, and, if mean, it
1: wasn't for and if it wasn't for gambling the decline of this sport would be a lot faster than it potentially could
0: be that's a good point
1: when you have a, you're starting to see a whole generation of kids who are are not allowed to play, yeah. you know. And combined with you know how much more popular the NBA is relative to what it was 15 years ago, the emergence of soccer as a you know a additional sport in America, you know football isn't the only option for some you know kids in like poorer sections of the South or the Midwest or or California. So it, it's it's so my my point being for this is that. You don't need people to acceler- accelerate that concern about injury and a guy that you know, appears softer, a guy like that. I just don't understand why the guy's still in the league.
0: Yeah, but for anybody who is listening to this and is saying, OK, Bountygate was years ago, I understand what you're saying. You know what wasn't more than just a few years ago was when he was defensive coordinator for the St. Louis Rams when an entire brawl broke out because he was gunning for Odell Beckham then. That's right. And not for nothing, even after the brawl, the gunning for Odo Beckham continued. And what ended up happening is the safety in the corner for St. Louis, aiming for Beckham, both missed and collided with each other. And one of them got knocked out of the game for that. It's yeah. unnecessary and stupid. I do understand that it's a big hit league and that it's part of the game. But there are things that are not part that of the game. That and, wasn't a big hit. That was. I mean that was deliberately going low for a guy's legs. And again – this is not that game where the big hit or anything like that matters. This is a preseason game where you're evaluating talent. You're not. It was evaluating- even a. It was
1: even a big play. It wasn't like like a ten yard out or something. It wasn't even that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, if you're saying if you're even like, you know, putting this in the perspective like of a game that actually did matter. This wasn't a game saving touchdown. This wasn't a you know. It's a simple pattern. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and. Uh, i can't be the only person who was watching that and let out a huge sigh of relief that he was able to even get up um even in real time just watching it happen where you didn't have the best angle of how he got hit you just kind of saw him get clipped as he was I, landing i thought it was i thought it was his knee i th- i mean i think a lot of people thought it was knee because that's where he got hit and his foot sort of did stick in the ground um it, it's just unnecessary and on that note, I think I think that's it for for Beckham in the preseason. I I know Ben McAdoo has to save face and he has to say, oh, you know, if you're healthy, you're playing. I think he understands that without that's that guy, yeah. that's the entire offense right there.
1: You can make a valid argument that if you know, he's just as important as Eli on this offense you because make a really very
0: valid argument that he's just
1: because sort of Eli. you know something without him getting. The double teams he's going to get, this pedestrian offense suddenly gets a lot worse and very predictable without him. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I think he's proven his point. I think he's, uh, you know, he's, he's ready for the season to start. Yeah. At the end of the day, this offense is going to be predicated on, you know, 12 to 15 targets at least for Beckham every game. And into those rhythms of like two, three, four consecutive passes to Moreau. That's the offense.
0: Give me some more farts. <laughs> that was those were my farts. Well, I
1: got a couple of farts. I think I'm sorry, but both of these backup quarterbacks suck. Oh. I mean, you know, they're they, they are both, you know, Geno Smith continues to make the same stupid mistakes he always does. Josh Johnson doesn't even shouldn't even be anywhere near a stadium. I mean, we've said this a hundred times. If, if if Eli goes down, season's over, that's that. But you know, the question becomes and, I, and it's may not be too early to ask this question do we save the roster spot and just you know let it ride with Davis Webb and hope for the best I, mean, I don't know what these two guys give you I mean that you know, the pick in, in the red zone inexcusable at any level and you know just you know, these guys you know Josh Johnson like jump past in the air, he doesn't know what to do or anything it's just they're just luggage they, yeah. they don't add anything
0: Josh Johnson had the leg up on Gino because he knew the system. He looks more confused out there than Gino does. Like he looks terrible. Night confused. and day. If if you if I went into this without just watching the game, not knowing any names, which player was in the system last year, I would have guessed Geno Smith, no question.
1: Yeah, he looks he looks atrocious. And you know if there was you, know, you can't identify players now as first cut down guys and second cut down guys, but to me he would be a first cut down
0: guy. Oh yeah. As far as letting it roll with Davis Webb, I you know he played about five snaps in the first preseason game and zero in the second one. I, I don't feel comfortable letting it roll with him either, only because should the worst happen, I don't want him getting clobbered in the backfield because he doesn't know what the hell is going on either, and then stunt his development because he is the future. So I think you still roll with, with three quarterbacks, and I think at this point it's pretty clear it's got to be Geno, but, you know... And you God just got help us you, if he's got to do anything more than do, you know, a quarter.
1: Yeah, you're right, and this season would be over again. You can say it pretty much for any NFL team, besides maybe Jacksonville, if their starting quarterback goes down, their season's over. <laughs> they might make a run without Blake Bortles, but <laughs> that's for the Just Jags podcast, which yeah. you can find somewhere else on Twitter, on iTunes or, or SoundCloud. <laughs> um you know next week is the game where you know it's as close to simulation of a real game as you're going to get you know, jets giants all that stuff you know watch out for this usually funny business goes on in the jet giant game the keep your eye on the prize and that's september 10th in dallas it's not beating the jets you know yeah. everybody f- remember what rex ryan tried to do when he brought up mark sanchez back in the game with his third string offensive line because he thought it was so important to beat the giants and ruin their season
0: that's right Marvin Austin broke his ribs right that's right
1: (laughs) because for some reason Rex society had to beat the Giants it was so important
0: listen guys we're gonna say this we're gonna say this every every week and I know it's difficult because the media hypes you up and you really want to watch football and this isn't really football but do not overreact to anything you see Um, Jets and Giants is this Saturday at 7 o'clock I will be live tweeting this game as well um for the first probably three quarters depending on how long the starters are really playing and then i'll go back to casual tweeting and watching the rest of the game and we will have a fresh new podcast for you early next week for your morning commute subscribe to us on itunes leave us a good five-star rating if you have any issues or comments or concerns give us a five-star rating and tell us what you want to improve
1: (laughs) if you think we suck give us a five-star rating please
0: we can also be found on SoundCloud. Again, it's Just Giants Podcast. If you want to follow my live tweeting of games and all such other reactions to news, um, I am at football underscore grump on Twitter, and our podcast is at Just Giants Pod.
1: You can find me at The Cranky Fan. And if you're into the Florida Gators, our season starting next week in Dallas against Michigan, you can listen to my companion podcast, Mark and The Cranky Fan, um, also on iTunes and SoundCloud as well.
0: All right, and with that, go Giants. Go the Giants.